Yikes. On a lighter note, R-Cubed went to a miracle berry party in NYC and said it was wild seeing people ravenously eating everything because it tasted so different. Imagine eating a massive wedge of brie thinking it's cheesecake. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of No Small Boy Stuff. I'm your host, Mike, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend and co-host, Alex. Hey everyone, great to be here again. We've got some really interesting topics lined up for you today. That's right, Alex. Today we're diving into some of the hottest topics from the Today I Learned subreddit. We'll be discussing everything from a French court stopping a girl from being named Nutella to the effects of the miracle fruit on our taste buds. Sounds like a fun and informative episode, Mike. Before we jump into these fascinating topics, we'd like to remind our listeners to subscribe to our podcast if you enjoy our episodes. Absolutely. Your support means the world to us. So without further ado, let's dive into today's topics and explore the interesting world around us. Let's get started, Mike. I can't wait to see what we learn today. So get this, guys. There was a court in France that actually stopped a girl from being named Nutella. Can you believe that? Wait, what? Like the hazelnut spread? Why would anyone want to name their child Nutella? I guess they just really love Nutella. Anyway, the judge forcibly renamed her to Ella because her parents didn't show up at the hearing. The judge said that the name Nutella would only lead to teasing or disparaging thoughts. Well, I have to say, I don't blame the judge on that one. I mean, imagine being called Nutella in school. Kids can be brutal with that kind of stuff. Yeah, speaking of kids being brutal, there's this comment on Reddit by Good Merlin Peen saying that regardless of whether the state has a right to do it, kids would absolutely tear a kid called Nutella to shreds. I can only imagine the playground taunts. Oh, for sure. And there's another comment by BDRR that says, there are other stories of French judges not allowing names like Clitoris, Clitorine, and even a family named Renault trying to name their baby daughter Magaine, which is a car model of the same brand. Wow, that's wild. I mean, who in their right mind would name their child Clitoris? And I can't help but laugh at the thought of a little girl named Megane Renault. It's like they're setting her up to be a race car driver or something. Oh, absolutely. And there's another comment by Nakel underscore Sailor that says this is typical practice in Germany, too. You can't name your kid anything you want there. They even have lists of rejected names like whiskey, popcorn and Satan. I mean, come on, Satan. Really? Man, that's just asking for trouble. But you know what? I kind of wish they had this kind of system in the U.S. too. I mean, there's a comment by uh, sweet underscore coat 7963 that says their wife is a teacher and kids have some really stupid names these days. Like a boy named Sir and his sister named Ma'am. Can you imagine? Oh, man, that's just too much. Kids these days, I tell you. But I guess it's a good thing we have courts and people who care enough to step in and make sure these kids don't go through life with names like Nutella or Clitoris. It's a mad world out there, Mike. You got that right, Alex. It's a mad, mad world. Hey, Alex, did you know that it's actually impossible to exceed the 70-pound weight limit of a U.S. Postal Service small flat rate box, even if you filled it with the densest substance on Earth? Really? What's the densest substance on Earth, and how much would it weigh in that box? It's called osmium, and filling the box with it would only weigh 61.5 pounds. A Twitter user did the math, and even though osmium is twice as dense as lead and three times as dense as iron, it's still not enough to exceed the weight limit. Wow, that's fascinating. I wonder if anyone has actually tried to do that. 
Well, there's a funny comment by Hat of Sky that says they haven't tried their aunt's fruitcake. I guess some people believe their family's baking can be pretty dense. Haha, <laughs> that's true. And there's another comment by Snorf mentioning that USPS mail handlers are actually required to be able to lift up to 70 pounds. So I guess they're prepared for some pretty heavy packages. Definitely. And Decoy1 points out that osmium is the densest naturally occurring substance on Earth. But if you could fill the box with man-made plasma, you might just destroy the planet or something. Yikes, let's not try that experiment. But there's a comment by Humanity Has Fallen saying that as someone who works at the airport in cargo operations, people definitely try their very hardest to exceed that weight limit. Oh, I can imagine. And Bittersharp Bandolier suggests we should forget about crypto and just invest in density. Imagine that, a whole new market for density investments. Ha ha, that's hilarious. There's also a comment by Mike underscore Pants, a postal worker pleading with people not to fill the box with the densest substance on Earth, as they're already dealing with heavy packages like mattresses, barbell sets, and cases of water. Yeah, let's give those postal workers a break. And finally, Yupunai Humans brings up a funny point about shipping a batch of neutronium, which would weigh a few trillion tons, to another planet called Zergblurg. I wonder what the shipping rate for that would be. Oh man, I don't think any postal service would be prepared for that. But it's always fun to imagine these crazy scenarios. Alex, did you hear about Microsoft Japan trying out a four-day work week and finding that productivity increased by 40%? Wow, that's impressive. I wonder if other companies will follow suit. Well, according to a comment by citizens of Whiterun, every corporation everywhere is probably just going to ignore that. Oh, classic corporate move. But it's not just about the four-day work week, right? Chris from IT mentioned that Microsoft Japan also heavily cut back on the number of meetings during the week. That's true. Fewer meetings definitely help. And there's a funny comment by Papa Choff saying that next year, some executive will have the brilliant idea to add a fifth day to the work week, increasing productivity by 20%. Ha ha, as if we need more work days. Crotchless underscore panties points out that treating employees like people rather than spark plugs actually results in them trying harder and doing more for the company. But corporations would probably still make them work weekends too. Sadly, that seems to be the case. Green Apple Tree wonders why, if the data supports the four-day work week, companies don't go with it or continue testing it. Well, Quetrick brings up some valid points, like the fact that the study only ran for a month and there was no control group. So it might not be the most conclusive evidence for a permanent change. And Ubichia Hescores mentions that while sales might perform better with a four-day work week, we need to consider how it affects other departments, like product development, marketing, and finance. That's a great point. Greg Baum shares an interesting personal story about trying the four-day work week at Microsoft and how it didn't work well for parents on the team. It seems like there's no one-size-fits-all solution here. Definitely, and in the post-COVID age of working from home, hours per week might become even less relevant. Maybe companies should focus more on flexibility and work-life balance instead of sticking to rigid schedules. Amen to that. Let's hope more companies start paying attention to the well-being of their employees. Alex, did you know that the neurologist who invented lobotomy, Antonio Agas Moniz, was awarded the Nobel Prize for Physiology or Medicine for this procedure? No way. That's wild considering how it's seen as one of the greatest mistakes of modern medicine today. Inflamed Liver mentioned that it was initially used to calm schizophrenics and people with broken minds, but it quickly started to be misused on others who were considered uppity. That's pretty messed up. 
Johannes underscore P points out that psychosurgery is still used today, but only in extreme cases, and definitely not for petty reasons like bad family relationships. Here's a creepy story from Stuart Gotts about Walter Freeman, who popularized the procedure. He once chased a reluctant patient and performed a lobotomy on him in an unsterilized hotel room after wrestling him to the ground. Yikes, that's horrifying. I'd definitely run away from that guy, too. On a lighter note, Giovanna Banana says they'd rather have a bottle in front of them than a frontal lobotomy. Haha, <laughs> I can't blame them. Dr. Retz and Psychocalypse both acknowledge the many minds destroyed by this procedure and how desperate times led to desperate measures in the past. Jimmy underscore jazz underscore. The underscore spaz brings up thalidomide as another big medical oops, but let's not get into a competition about who messed up more. Definitely not a contest we want to win. Man in Black 829 reminds us that all you need for a lobotomy is an ice pick. How terrifying is that? Seriously, it's like a horror movie. And multiplayer hater highlights the difference between Moniz, who was more careful with lobotomies, and Freeman, who was reckless and caused a lot of harm. Finally, Honda underscore Typer shares a tragic story about their uncle who was lobotomized and had his whole life destroyed by the procedure. It's a heartbreaking reminder of the dark side of medical history. It's important to learn from these mistakes and strive for better, more ethical treatments in the future. We've come a long way, but there's always room for improvement. All right, Alex, to wrap things up, let's talk about the miracle fruit. Did you know that after eating it, sour foods will taste sweet for 15 to 30 minutes? That's wild. So it's like a temporary taste bud hack? Exactly. The fruit contains a glycoprotein called miraculin, which binds to your taste buds and makes sour foods taste sweet. The effect lasts up to 30 minutes. Polkrebeck89 mentioned that the sugar industry lobbied hard against it being used as a food additive, but you can still buy tablets on Amazon, according to anonymous underscore Dax. Must be fun to try out. Jenny Mika said they had some, and it made mustard taste sweet, but it also messed up the taste of their dad's beer. Handy Andy explains that the protein miraculin sticks to your sweet receptors and changes in the presence of acid, activating the sweet taste. Pretty cool, huh? Definitely. Darwin Gone Wild brings up a CSI NY episode where someone dies at a flavor tripping party because they couldn't taste the acidity of Drano in their drink. Talk about a party gone wrong. Yikes. On a lighter note, R-Cubed went to a miracle berry party in NYC and said it was wild seeing people ravenously eating everything because it tasted so different. Imagine eating a massive wedge of brie thinking it's cheesecake. That's crazy. Donver said it even made vinegar taste good, but Krusty Meathead warns against eating too many lemons, your stomach will still hurt. Uncle underscore Buddy mentioned that these miracle berries are popular with diabetics who miss sweet foods, and WTFOMGBBQ69's Buddy tried it and ended up eating mustard until he threw up because it tasted like honey. Well, that's one way to learn your limits. So folks, if you ever try miracle berries, remember to have fun, but be cautious with your newly found sweet tooth. Thanks for joining us on this episode of No Small Boy Stuff. Remember to stay curious and keep exploring the world around you. Until next time. Hey listeners, just a quick note that No Small Boy Stuff is a podcast completely generated by AI. If you're interested in generating your own podcast, head over to www.nosmallboystuff.io for more information.